The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. The Pre-Med Years is part of the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. This is the Pre-Med Year, session number 201. Hello and welcome to the two-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, welcome to the pre-med years. If this is the first time joining me here, as I said earlier, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I host this podcast as well as several others, and you can find them all at mededmedia.com. This week's guest is a very special one. She is a physician, but more importantly, is the founder of an amazing group of women. And she is looking to change the world, really, is is what it comes down to. I'm hoping to change the pre-med world with the pre-med years and and hopefully the future physicians' worlds as the pre-meds go on to medical school and become physicians. But Hala is changing the world one female physician at a time, and more specifically, one female mommy physician at a time. She is the founder of Physician Moms Group, which started because she needed help as a physician and a mom, and it has grown to now well over 60,000 members in a Facebook group, on a community, and a website, and she is just doing amazing things, not only for the group of members that are part of that community, but for every physician, not just female physician, but every physician that is following in, in the PMG's footsteps. So everybody listening to this will be, I am I'm 100% certain, everybody listening to this podcast as a pre-med will be affected by everything that Hala is doing as a physician and as the founder of PMG. So let's dig in and say hi to Hala. Hala, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. I want to know when you first were hit with the, I got to be a doctor bug. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I grew up always thinking I wanted to be a doctor, but mainly because my dad was a doctor. And I used to always say I wanted to be a doctor, which would get me a lot of praise from him, especially because my brother um, was not really into science. And so I felt like that was something that differentiated us. And I got a lot more attention from my dad. Um, So definitely, I kind of manipulated that. So I always said I wanted to be a doctor. But I think deep down inside, I... You know, I really didn't know. Um, And I kind of felt, you know, coming from, you know, a family, a culture where, you know, medicine is like really uh, prioritized um, and education is as well. I felt like that was kind of what I was supposed to do. 
when I got into high school, a lot of I went to private school. A lot of my classmates had fathers or mothers that were doctors as well. And so I felt like at that point, I would say I wanted to be a doctor because everybody else was saying that. But when I got into college, I was like, I really don't want to be a doctor. I don't know why you keep saying that. Um, so I ended up um, ironically getting a job for the Disney company. And I really loved business. And so I knew I kind of didn't want to be a doctor or I thought I didn't want to be a doctor. I just wanted to go into business, but still had a lot of those pressures from my family. And then actually when September 11th hit, um, my dad, you know, kind of had a long talk with me about, you know, just the future and how, you know, I could be helping a lot of people um, by being a physician and especially the economics of it as well and of the country. And so I applied just to kind of make him happy and got in. And so I felt you know, I shouldn't throw away this opportunity that so many people, you know, are vying after for for years and years. And so I decided, you know, to apply when I got in, I chose a school that actually had an MBA and a medical degree combined program. So that way I was happy, he was happy. But I will say, through medical school, I thought it was super fun. And I just loved patient care so much that now I'm so happy that even though I went a little astray, that you know, I'm actually treating patients because even though even though sometimes it gets a little daunting, I am so happy to go to work and I actually love seeing patients. And so now I kind of laugh at my at my uh, non-traditional path. But I remember sitting in my medical school interviews and, you know, people sharing their stories about, you know, how they had some, you know, huge event that happened in their life that made them, you know, have a calling to medicine. And here I was, you know, kind of just doing what my parents were telling me. But I, I'm glad that they guide, guided me down this path. Do you think that because your father was a physician that you didn't seek out opportunities to learn more about what medicine would be like for you because you assumed that that what he was living would be what you would live? Oh, definitely. I think that's actually a really good question. I've never been asked that before. I kind of felt like, not that I really knew exactly what would happen in medicine, but I felt like I had a good idea as a kid. And I had a really good upbringing. I remember, you know, my dad was an emergency medicine physician as well, uh, which is not why I picked emergency medicine. Um, but I remember him there all the time. And, you know, I remember not having a negative feeling about medicine, but I also saw, you know, the realistic portions of it. I saw how medicine changed. I remember my dad coming home and you know, some of his complaints about, you know, insurance, you know, not allowing certain tests to be done. And that way patients are coming to the ER. I remember these early on. So when I was reintroduced to them in medical school and in clinical years, they weren't foreign to me, but I honestly had no idea how deep those things went. Um, but I do think that if anything, if um, it was a really good positive experience, I just felt like I was really intimidated with how many years it would take of school. I think I was kind of just done with school and I didn't really want to do it. But I, but I think that if you're asking me the question about my dad's influence as far as just seeing him in practice, it was probably just a positive one, if anything. You talked about how daunting it was, the amount of school, yet you applied to a dual degree program. What was the thought process behind that besides just following your passions for business? <laughs> I know, it kind of seems a little backwards, but... Um, I really only wanted to get my MBA. And I remember telling my dad that, you know, in at Disneyland, um, I know this is going to sound so 
uh, weird, but you actually learn a lot of business. Um, I started out, you know, working on the rides and then I, you know, started doing scheduling and I started realizing, you know, budgeting and operational flow and costs. And I just loved it. I just loved, you know, operations. And so when I was telling my dad that when we were having like an in-depth discussion, about, um, what about business do I love? Because when he was thinking business, he's thinking I'm trying to open up a store of some sort. Um, and I told him, no, that's not exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking on a big scale. And he said, you know, medicine is like that, you know, and he talked about the flow of the ER and he talked about, you know, getting admitted to the hospital and what does that mean and how do patients get into the hospital and that kind of operations. And that kind of sparked my interest. And I said, well, I could be a doctor and a businesswoman, that's insane. And uh, he said, yeah, he's like, you know, in fact, a lot of the pressures that we're having as physicians are that people that make these decisions are not physicians. And so they make decisions that they think is right. But sometimes it's some, sometimes they're really good. But a lot of times they lack a lot of elements that are really important for patients. And so I said, you know, dad, maybe I just want to be, you know, a businesswoman, you know, that kind of protects and advocates for physicians. And he said, you know, I'm sure that 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 everybody would love that. And so when I went on my medical school interviews, that's kind of what I said. And um, I was really, really, you know, set on the fact that I wanted to be an administrator. I really didn't want to practice clinically. I just wanted to really represent doctors and really help healthcare from a business aspect. So that was kind of where I was going with it. And I said, you know, well, if I have to get, if I have to go through this dual program to get to where you know, I want to be and where, what would make my father happy then, you know, so be it, it's an extra year, but I did get to move out of state and kind of live in New York, which is always a dream for me. So for me, I just felt like it was an extra year, you know, of fun, you know, if anything else. And I honestly, you know, I know that that's maybe, this is maybe the first time any of the listeners are hearing, I really thought medical school was a lot of fun, you know, rather than (laughs) as daunting as, you know, I thought it was going to be, I really had a good time. Now, did did you have fun in your preclinical years or fun in your clinical years or both? You know, it was different. I think the preclinical years, the excitement for me wasn't really the school. It was more about a new atmosphere. You know, I moved from California to New York. So in that essence, it was kind of fun getting to know myself. Um, And I think no matter, even if you go to school in state, I think that you start learning a lot about yourself because you've never been challenged to that degree. You know, I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life. Um, I think school always came really easy to me. And so I just knew that I would have to kind of turn it up a notch. And all of my classmates worked so hard. You know, we would be up, you know, six, seven in the morning. And at that time, I don't know how it's like now, you know, we had our live lectures. They did tape them. But, you know, we would be in school until five and then you would go home, maybe eat dinner and then you'd be studying until midnight, you know, and then do it all over again. And I think that, you know, what the fun part was, was the students that I was going, you know, my friends, you know, that I that I made along the way. Um, the information was so dense, so that wasn't so fun a lot of times. But I think that, um, I think just the process, I think just becoming a doctor is just really, when I look back at it, I just think it was really a neat process that um, has a lot of elements of fun, but it does have a lot of elements of hard work and tears and frustration and stress, you know, but I think that overall, you know, if you keep your eye on the prize and you actually seek out a community during medical school, I think that you can actually have a little bit of fun with it as well. Looking back with the influences that your your dad had on your journey to medical school, what could you have done differently as a pre-med or, or an undergrad student, whether you are pre-med or not, to seek out 
the the information that you needed so that you personally could make the right decision for you? Um, I I think now pre med students are doing everything that I think I could even imagine. You know, I see these pre med students doing scribe work. You know, in the hospitals and clinics. I see them doing volunteer work, which I think was really only our real option back when I was in medical or in college, um, which actually wasn't even too long ago. I act like I'm, you know, um, a lot older than I really am. But, you know, in the 90s, we didn't really have a lot of access to these opportunities that now are there as far as like scribe work and stuff like that. We only had like research opportunities. But I wish I kind of um, built maybe a relationship with a mentor that maybe did not know my dad that I could get a different perspective um, and just kind of see if that would have enhanced or changed or influenced any of my decisions. But, you know, everything worked out for me and everybody has their own journey. And I just feel like you should own it, whatever it may be. And I think that, you know, I hear medical students or I mean, pre-med students, I should say, be really stressed about hearing what other pre-med students are doing and feeling that pressure to to accomplish the same, if not more, to be competitive. And I almost feel that, I mean, I don't sit, disclaimer, I do not sit on any kind of, you know, admissions committee in any kind of way. But I kind of feel like the things that stuck out about me when I was doing the interview process is nobody really asked me about any of my experience. You know, did I volunteer at a hospital or, or any kind of medical experience? They were asking me a lot of questions about Disney because I think that they knew about, you know, as far as the company how well it is respected in that in that realm. And so a lot of my questions were not even about medicine. So I think that having a good balance of, you know, some differentiating factor that makes you you to identify you and make you memorable, you know, and then also show your dedication to science and medicine, I think is a good mixture. But I think when people are really unbalanced where, you know, in one way or the other, you know, where they don't have anything else to talk about could actually work against them. Do you remember any particular moment as you were going through medical school? You've mentioned a couple times now that you thought you wanted to do more administrative stuff and not clinical medicine. But there there had to be some moment treating a patient or, or on your rotation somewhere where you were like, oh, this, this clinical stuff is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, in second year, when we started learning the systems, I started becoming really excited about it. I remember just loving nephrology and it, it's just so hard, but I just loved it so much. And um, because it just really tied all the systems together. And I remember thinking like, gosh, how cool is this? The body is so amazing. You know, I want to learn more. I want to be able to practice this. And so at that point, I started kind of challenging myself as to what my real goal would be. But I, I really didn't put that much pressure on myself because I still had so much more to go. I was only a second year student. Um, and then I remember my first patient in third year, I was on medicine, on my internal medicine rotation. And my first patient was a new pancreatic mass that we were working up that ended up being cancer. And I think at that point, with the attachment I had, I think everybody has attachments to their first patient. Um, but I think that made me a little bit more um, I guess interested in it and connected, I think, you know, to patient care. And I didn't really think of business as an option at that point, because I knew I just had to be a doctor. And I knew that if I was going to go into business, I would have to be a reputable doctor, I couldn't just be another administrator without any kind of medical 
you know, reputation. So I knew, I knew that there were steps involved and that I would have to, you know, build, you know, build myself up. But, you know, so I, I really honestly didn't only think about business the whole way, but I knew that, you know, medicine would be a big part of it. And so I think I just became a little bit more attached with the more clinical knowledge I, I started gaining. I started to really just enjoy it and started actually imagining of you know, what kind of specialist would I want to be? Or what if I did administration in such a way where I advocated for women? I know, you know, one of the big thoughts I had in medical school was opening up a women's center, you know, where there would be, you know, all the specialties for, you know, for women to feel a little bit more comfortable going to one center to, you know, see their physicians and maybe have like some pediatrics on a second floor. I was thinking really big, um, but I just knew that I wanted to do something that would really make a big change for a community. I didn't want to just be, you know, treating patients, you know, just in this in a small setting. I wanted to do something big. You had mentioned daunting earlier when talking about mm-hmm. the the path to becoming a physician. How much did being a female and wanting a family? come into that decision making and and saying, you know what, I want to have a family life and medicine, I don't think will fit into that. Yeah, I think initially, I really didn't think about it too much. Because again, I thought I would be an administrator. And so I figured my job would be somewhere like nine to five. And uh, most people did that. So why not me? But as I started going through rotations, I loved everything, Ryan, I loved every single rotation. Like I would call my mom, And I would say, mom, I want to be a family practitioner. Mom, I want to be a psychiatrist. (laughs) And it would just change every, you know, month or however, you know, many weeks those rotations were. And my mom's like, okay, I I get it. You like everything. And I remember the first time um, I was assisting in in a surgery and they opened up, you know, the patient's abdomen and I saw the bowel. I just like fell in love. And then I decided I wanted to be a surgeon. I wanted to be a colorectal surgeon. I just decided, and that actually stuck for about a year. And I shadowed a colorectal surgeon on a day off I had at the hospital. I was doing my surgery rotation and I asked him a lot of questions like, you know, logistically, how does it work? And he kind of, you know, he wasn't negative. He was just realistic. He was like, you know, I, you know, I dedicate myself a lot to my patients and there's not a lot of colorectal surgeons, at least in that area. And I started realizing at that moment that what does that mean for my future? Because I wasn't, you know, in a relationship, I wasn't married. I, you know, I really didn't understand. I couldn't really have the concept of, you know, future and kids. And my mom was a stay at home mom. So how does that, you know, fit into my model of a family because as you're growing up, all you know is what you've experienced. And so I had a great upbringing. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, well, my mom was a stay at home mom and I'm not going to be. And that, that was when the reality hit of what do I want for myself? And also when I decided, you know, when I was thinking about surgery and I started realizing that none of the surgical residents uh, looked like me, they were all men, you know, and um, there was one one program that I saw that had two women, but one was married and I had asked her, I said, Oh, you know, so are you thinking about having kids? And she's like, Oh, uh, there's no time for that. And so I never really delved into it because, 
you know, I didn't know really what that exactly meant being that I was not in that situation. And so I started realizing uh, maybe, you know, being a woman in surgery is not something that I want to be the one to pioneer. Although I wish now I wouldn't have been so deterred by it. Um, because I feel like we need those women in those fields to fight. And there's tons of women who are, who are in those fields and making it work perfectly for them, you know? And so I feel like I was really short sighted at that time, but you know, when you're in medicine and you're going through it, you're only looking at the mentors that you have access to, you know? And so you're kind of limited. Um, but yeah, I think at that point I started realizing that one picking your career, you know, as a woman, you know, I, I kind of thought traditionally, like what, what would make my life, you know, better as far as when I have kids, which I think now my advice to pre-med students is pick whatever you want and you'll make it work for you. Just be happy and do the field of specialty that you want. But the other thing is that when I, all the fields I was looking at seriously, I mean, I know I loved everything, but all the fields I was seriously looking at, which were mainly surgery and emergency medicine, they were very male dominated, dominated. And I remember seeing that residents were mainly not female at that time. They would often leave one token spot for a female, if anything. And if anything, it made us more, as women, fight against each other for these token spots. I, I, I never started a rotation thinking all these other medical students are my competition. No, I would see the one girl that was on the rotation with me and know that she was really my competition, if anything, you know? And so it's kind of sad that you kind of come to that realization, but now it's a lot different. And I just think at that point, I started realizing, you know, gender you know, discrimination, um, it, even though it was subtle, it was there. And I was kind of surprised because all my life I had never experienced that. And so it was really a life lesson at that point. Too bad you didn't go into surgery. You could have been a pioneer with the hashtag, I look like a surgeon campaign that's been going on. I know. Isn't that amazing? And all those women, I look at those and I get really emotional because I am so happy for them and they're all so drop dead gorgeous and such great um, role models for these young women. If they're if they're influencing me, you know, and I'm, you know, really touched by it, I can't even imagine, you know, someone that's, you know, in high school or even a pre-med student looking at that and going, you know, I look like them. And I think that's it was it's such a an amazing campaign and I and I'm so happy that the women in surgery are doing it because I, I think that they're really the, the true pioneers amongst other, you know, specialties as well. I think all women are doing a great job representing, you know, our, um, our gender, you know, in, in the respective fields. What do you think it is about you that has led you not only to, to what we'll talk about in a minute with PMG, but also you, you had mentioned this, this kind of grandiose idea of opening a, a women's clinic. What is it about you and wanting to do something for women? You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I think I just always, I, I went to an all girls high school and maybe that's where it came from, you know, just this whole female pride. Um, but I just felt so relatable to other women and my dad, you know, and my mom, when I was younger, we would do a lot of outreach work, um, as a family, you know, on vacations, anytime we'd go on vacation, one of those days would be dedicated to um, the population in need in that area. And I think I always just looked at the women there and felt so grateful 
you know, from my upbringing and my, and my situation that I felt like I want everybody else to have that for themselves. And I think that that's where I kind of form that attachment to women as far as helping them in their situations. And realistically, when you read about a lot of other cultures, um, I shouldn't say cultures, um, I'm mis misspeaking here. Um, a lot of other countries that don't have, you know, the same standards as the United, as the United States, a lot of women, you know, have different challenges. And I feel like we've come so far in the United States with, you know, everything from voting and equal rights in, you know, almost everything that I just look at other women and I want them to have the same, you know, because I, I, I'm the kind of person that always wants everybody to have the same as me or better. You know, I just feel like everybody should, you know, be inspired to do more, have more of whatever it is that they want, whether it's more happiness or I mean, nothing material. I'm just talking about like self-worth and, you know, people caring for them. I just, I just really think that women sometimes get the short end of the stick in, in this country and other countries. And I think I've always identified with that because every time we would go, we would go on these trips, I would just see these moms or, or children that look like me, you know, that same age. And I would just feel horrible about myself, you know, and I would just want to, to not feel like that. I would want to do more for them. So not only that they would benefit from it, but also I just felt like it was the right thing to do as a, as a human being is to help others that, you know, that need it, you know, and mm. I need my own help. I mean, everybody needs help and everybody, nobody has it all, but I just felt, you know, if you have more resources than, than another person that you probably should help them, you know? And so I don't know, that was just ingrained, you know, in me by my parents. And I think that's because they're immigrants to this country and started with nothing, you know, and I think that they were really grateful for that. And they always wanted us to remember that not everybody is, you know, fortunate to have a lot of resources. And so I don't know, I, I guess, I don't know why so grandiose, but I think that I just wanted to share all that love. And I had so much of it. I think all my ideas were so big. Well, PMG might not have been a, a huge idea when it first was birthed in your head, but it has turned into a huge thing. Where did the idea for Physician Moms Group come from? I know it's um, it's crazy how your life takes so many turns. But I uh, even though I thought a lot about the future when I was in medical school, I didn't really understand what it would be like with a family, although it was always in the back of my mind. And I met my husband when I was in my last year of medical school and we got married when I was an intern and we tried to start having kids the next year and it just didn't work out. And we, you know, tried, we went to a lot of physicians, um, infertility specialists, and although they can never give us an answer, all of these treatments were failing and it was just emotionally so taxing. It was, um, financially just devastating. And I sat there and I thought, you know, I remember thinking one day I was actually watching Ellen DeGeneres and just seeing how show is and how she gives back to the community and how she's still true to herself. And I thought, you know, if I ever get over this, if I ever am a mom, I want to help other women that are going through struggles. I was like thinking more of infertility, you know, but then I became a mom and I started realizing how hard that was. And I'm like, oh, how can I help other moms? But I felt like I couldn't even help myself. And um, 
so I finally had my first child and then I had gotten pregnant again when she was 10 months old with twins. And it was that pregnancy that made me feel a, a lot more overwhelmed than I already was. And people would ask me, you know, they try to make small talk. You know, so there's certain things that you really shouldn't say to pregnant people like, oh, wow, you're getting big or, <laughs> you know, or, you know, how are you going to do it? Because those things really stress them out. And I started getting more stressed and more stressed because they would ask me, like, how are you going to do it? Because you have this young child at home and you're going to introduce two more. And I wanted to say, I have no clue. Do you have any ideas? Um, because I'm not one to ever not ask for help. People who know me who've gone through medical school with me and and rotations, I'm always pretty honest about, you know, maybe resources that I need and kind of like a bartering system. Like I have this, if you have that, you know, and so I've always been really open about it. Um, but for the first time I felt like, cause I was already in a, an attending, it's much different. I felt like I had to be that role model that they thought in this, in this hierarchy in the hospital, but also in the community, you know, so they would ask me questions like, oh, how are you going to do it? But before I can even answer, they would answer the questions themselves. They would say, oh, you've got this covered because you're a doctor. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> because I know how to treat patients, but I don't know how to really mother, you know, and I just felt, you know, kind of just anxious about it. And I'm not an anxious person. I've never been an anxious person. And so one night, it kind of became to a point where I was getting palpitations and I was a little bit short of breath. And I'm like, what am I doing to myself? Like, this is not me. And so I thought to myself, you know, if I was a patient, what would I, what, what would I tell me? You know, what, what would I, what kind of advice would I give? And so I thought, you know, definitely therapy, <laughs> but I'm like, what is the therapist going to help me with? My questions are, what kind, how many nannies do I need? I mean, what's a therapist going to help me with that? I feel like I need a life coach or something like that. And, and, um, and I thought, you know, who, what I really need is like a support group. And so I started, you know, Googling support groups and, um, for physicians and I couldn't find anything really. Um, there's, there are very, they, at that time there were, were very few, but not really related to women or, or mothering. And so, a friend of mine had just given birth to twins um, at that moment, uh, at that week, I should say. And I had messaged her and we were kind of talking about, you know, being stressed out. And I said, you know, do you know of any support groups? And I felt really vulnerable just messaging her, you know, asking her that. And she goes, no, but if you find one, let me know. And I said, well, maybe we make our own because it doesn't exist. And so I just went through my friends list on Facebook and picked 20 people I felt safe with as far as, you know, having a conversation, but these women all had, you know, um, children at different ages, you know, usually they're, I mean, on average they were under five, but they were all different specialties. They lived all around the country. And so I felt like it would be a good representation of, you know, just different opinions. And honestly, finding 20 people was a reach for me because I had to feel safe. I had to feel safe asking. And so I made this group and it was really late at night you know, the same night, this is, this all happened in a few hours and I, and I made the group and I just, you know, I, I put a preface, you know, a statement there, you know, look, I, I kind of feel really overwhelmed and I know it's not normal for us female physicians to, to talk about our shortcomings, but I'm really having a hard time. And if anybody else feels the same, you know, I wanted to make a small space that we can discuss this and maybe get some information from, because 
there are other mom support groups out there. There's actually many, but I just felt like I couldn't identify or they couldn't identify with me. A lot of the, a lot of the questions I had specifically were really to being a doctor. And I just felt like I would probably be chastised if anything else in those groups. I didn't really feel safe. Although those women are amazing and um, they do <clears throat> offer a, a lot of support, but I uh, I made the group and the the reaction to it and um, the response was just so positive. And I don't know, I'll, you know, everybody was awake at that time. I have no idea why, but um, they were all awake and so excited and introducing themselves because remember, all of them really just knew me, you know, not each other, and it just became this really fast growing, you know friendship amongst these 20 girls and in fact that that number 20 only lasted probably an hour because the first question was can I add a friend and I said well only if you think that they'll be safe as well I don't want anyone that's going to be you know not supportive of our needs and then soon enough you know everybody was adding their friends and their friends were adding their friends and I went to sleep kind of feeling not anxious, but really more fulfilled, you know, that I had these 20 new girlfriends. And um, I thought, you know, it would be really cool if it got to 200. It would be that would be a really cool thing. And then in the morning, it was 200. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, like what happened? And then it just started growing like wildfire. And so honestly, I didn't really think that this would be something that, you know, a lot of people needed. I just thought I was alone, you know, and I think that's what medicine sometimes makes you feel like really alone and isolated and segregated. And so I'm glad that I actually spoke up and maybe it was the pregnancy hormones, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just glad that it happened. When was that? Do you remember? Yeah, it was November of 2014. So it's been almost two years and you're right. over 60,000 members now. Yeah. We're just about, I think we're approaching 62,000. That's incredible. I know. It's insane. What has been the biggest takeaway from seeing all of these physicians who are moms that you can relay to the pre-med who might be a mom now or is a female concerned about having a career and a family at the same time? Well, I think that, so PMG, <clears throat> or Physician Moms Group, uh, PMG, they, we, you know, I started it honestly for very selfish reasons, right? I, I wanted to ask questions about childcare. And early on, almost all of the discussion was based around our children. But soon enough, there's questions that started, started coming out of, you know, this is what's happening in my workplace. This is, you know, I found out that there's a pay discrepancy between male and female or, you know, a patient, you know, asked me if I was the nurse for the 10th time today, you know, whatever it may be. And so all of these recurring themes of frustrations within the fields started coming out. And that's when PMG turned from a social network to an actual growing of an organization that not only had, you know, social support at its core, but it also started to unravel and highlight all of the problems in medicine that some of us didn't, did not even know it existed, you know, or didn't realize that we were going through the same thing or situations that we didn't realize that we were in. Um, but now that somebody else has kind of highlighted it, you start realizing that, you know, 
things are just not right where you're at. And so if anything, it's, it's made us as women finally, you know, finally come together to fight for ourselves. And I don't know, I, I really don't know the history of women in medicine so much to know how many times that's been attempted. But I think in this day and age with social media, the amount of communication happens so quick and instantaneous that it's working probably a lot more efficiently. And so for the women who are coming behind us, I feel like we're, you know, I'm not the pioneer. It's all of them. You know, these women are fighting for themselves, but they're fighting for you, for, for you that who are listening, you know, because they know that they want to make it a better place they, for, for the generation after us, because let's face it. I mean, I feel like we all feel that obligation to women, but also who's going to take care of us when we're older, it's going to be the people listening. So I hope that, you know, if anything, we make it a very, um, I guess, friendly and inviting space um, in medicine for women to to show their presence without feeling like they're already behind the eight ball or that they have a lot of barriers that maybe others don't. And so, so if anything, I, I hope that the women that are listening, whatever it is that you want to accomplish, please do not sell yourself short. Um, and even, and especially even men, men who want to be parents and want to be involved with their children. It's not just about women. It's about physicians taking back medicine. And um, a lot of the frustrations that we have, Ryan, I know that you and I have talked about this before. It's the same frustrations that men have. I mean, there's some stuff that's really, you know, related just to women, but a lot of it just has to be with being in medicine today as a doctor. And I think that, um, you know, really, we're all joining forces for the greater good for not only ourselves as practitioners, but also um, for our patients, because we know it's going to improve patient care if we're happier. And if we do attack some of the problems in medicine that do exist, but also for all of you listening, you know, that's, you know, that that's what it's all about is continuing this. And I hope that those listening will be inspired to join, you know, kind of this movement and move forward. And I'm not the only person discussing problems like this. There's a lot of other um, physicians out there that are very well spoken and have been doing this a lot longer. I think it just, I don't know, it was just kind of a serendipitous, you know, event that happened with PMG and, you know, it's just taken off. So, you know, I'm just grateful that it's happened. What have you learned now working as an attending, having your three kids now? The yes, three, three kids. Having uh-huh. three kids, obviously starting this group for that support of, of holy crap, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. where have you found that balance? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And perhaps that's a good question for my husband, because I'm sure that we would answer it very differently. Um, But I think I'm busier. I am busier than I ever have been, you know, and I don't have any days off. So if anything, it's kind of um, changed my balance a little bit, because when you think about balance, you know, I don't even know if you really know what that anybody really knows what that means, because I think balance changes every single day because I think my balance today depends on what I felt imbalanced on yesterday. And so I don't it's constantly evolving. So I know that I'm busier. So I like I think I have less time off, but I do maximize my time with my family when I do when I do have that time, especially, you know, in the mornings before the kids are going to daycare and school in the evenings before they go to bed. So I feel like I've learned from the women in the group how to maximize the time that I'm home. 
um, to feel fulfilled. But ultimately, I think the balance um, works out for me because I am so happy, Ryan. I am actually, um, at this point, I feel like the happiest I've ever been in my life. And, you know, I feel happy in my career. I feel happy with PMG. I feel happy with, you know, my husband and my family. And, you know, especially my husband um, and a lot of PMG members and their husbands have reached out saying that because they're individually happy, so is their spouse. Because there's nothing worse than having one unhappy spouse about a situation that you cannot fix, you know, and, you know, just sitting there and seeing it's kind of like, you know, watching people circle the drain, you know, and you can't help, you know, you just feel like they're drowning and you can't help. And I felt like that's what my husband may have felt like. And I, and I know, and I know that because I know other husbands have felt the same way. It's like, how can I help my wife? Like she's saying, she's, she's giving me problems I cannot solve in any kind of way, you know? So I think, um, not that I solve them, but I think that just having that community to vent makes it better it makes it tolerable and then in turn you know i think for me it's made me a way better wife it's made me a better mom i think it's made me a better doctor because i'm happier in fact i won a really huge award at work for um a service excellence and all the stories happened to be about compassion to patients which i didn't even think of that i was doing but i when i look back I felt like I had that time for patience because I have spent less time stressing about myself. And so um, I just think that the balance part, although on the surface, it's not apparent. I think mentally and emotionally, it's there, you know, 100%. And so I just I hope that, you know, everybody hearing this, whether they're actually a physician or they're a pre-med um, or, you know, even high school student, whoever is listening to this, I hope that they realize that, you know, I think that everybody has to be a little bit flexible with the idea of balance and just know that ultimately you have to do what makes you happy. And I, and I think right now I'm doing all of that at once. It's, it's funny you talk about balance. The, the biggest thing I think I've learned along the way is that I, I think when we talk about balance, we, we picture evenly balanced, right? 50-50. When in, in real life, it's balance could be 70-30, uh, work and family life or 70, 30 family life and work. It doesn't have to be perfectly balanced. It just needs to even out. Right. And I think even between my husband and I, we always felt like balance and parenting was 50, 50. And then if it was 70, 30, I felt like we were like keeping tally. But what we didn't realize is that our amazing, amazing, amazing nanny can take a part of that percentage too, you know, and she, is you know a really close family friend actually that my kids call grandma and so we got really really lucky with our nanny situation but i almost feel like we added a person to our marriage and so if anything i think that just realizing that that balance doesn't have to be just between yourself or yourself and your partner it could be with other help that you have from the outside and i think that was a hard thing as a physician to let go because i'm very territorial <laughs> over my patients over my charting over my life that it was it was nice to see other physicians lead in PMG mentor me and how to do that and, and how to delegate and how to, um, I just find my happiness with using, with using other resources. And, and in fact, my nanny, um, she's, 
you know, she's talked to me a lot about, about this because she sees me kind of, she's seen me transform. She's been with me since my first, my eldest has been four months. And for her, my children fill a void for her. Um, and so it's kind of neat to see how you're not really just dumping on anybody else, but you're actually helping everybody's situation. So it's kind of been, you know, honestly, like now that I'm talking to you, Ryan, I, I just, I can't believe how many people in this world are not very honest or with themselves or forthcoming with maybe areas of deficiencies that they have in their life, probably because they feel like they're going to be judged or it's going to be used against them in some way. But I think once you are able to be vulnerable and honest, I think that you just the only you're not losing anything, you're just gaining a lot of opportunity to improve it. And so I've just seen that in even non medical or non PMG stuff, just like my nanny, you know, just talking to her. And so to see that everybody's super happy, and I know that the situation may be unique to me, but it's inspired me to do that in other parts of my life. As we wrap up here, with the pre-med student who's listening to this, struggling on their journey, maybe like you did, wondering if this was the right step for you, what would you say to them to encourage them to continue down this path? I think uh, take a breather, maybe step back a little bit and see what's making you unhappy and see what your options are. Because I think approaching problems like that is always helpful. I think that the worst thing that you could do is what I did when I was getting stressed out when I was pregnant is letting these problems that I was having just fester in my mind. And so I think that if you relate that to anything that you're that you're approaching, it doesn't matter what it is, that you go, okay, well, I'm really upset about this one situation or I feel like, you know, I'm not, you know, performing at my best or whatever it may be. And you think, okay, well, what are my options? And just see what your options are. Go with it. Go with an option. And if it doesn't work, then you go with one of the other options. But I also think reaching out um, for help, you know, whether you have a mentor, you know, or maybe, you know, someone that you depend on a parent or or even a colleague of yours, I think is super important because I think that when sometimes we don't even know what options are out there and someone will open up your mind, you know, and um, I've actually had pre-med students reach out to me. And um, I have no problem pairing them with anybody, you know, that would help them as well. And so there's a lot of resources. And I just hope that, you know, as pre-med students, you guys realize that and that you use it because this is a really, really awesome and fantastic time to go into medicine. And you guys are really, really lucky. And so I, I wish you guys luck on your journey. And if there's ever anything that I could do for you, you know, just reach out, you know, because I, I would love to help. All right. Again, that was Hala, founder of PMG. You can go find their website over at mypmg.com. If you happen to be a physician and a mom while you're listening to this, then you can go over there, join up, join the Facebook group. Although I don't, I think it's, it might be a secret group. I'm not sure. I'm not allowed to know because I'm not a mom, uh, but I am part of the physician dad group, which has grown out of PMG. So I am part of the, a proud member of the PDG family. So thank you, Hala, for taking the time to join us and share your message, share your hope for the future for female physicians, for mom physicians, for all physicians. I, I know that you are doing great things and I'm excited to see where PMG goes and where you go in the future. 
And if you want to reach out to Hala directly, she told me that you can just email her at H-A-L-A underscore S-A-B-R-Y at yahoo.com. I do want to thank our sponsor for today's podcast, Elite Medical Scribes. You can find out more about Elite Medical Scribes at medicalschoolhq.net slash E-M-S. Hala mentioned she's an emergency room physician. Being a scribe in the emergency room is a phenomenal job. You get to see and experience so much as a scribe. It's an amazing opportunity to get to clinical experience being in an emergency department, standing side by side with a physician, working side by side with a physician as you're charting and and doing everything that scribes do in the emergency department and anywhere else for that matter. Scribes can work in outpatient clinics, in hospitals, in emergency departments, anywhere and anywhere. Go check out the opportunities that you have over at medicalschoolhq.net slash EMS. That'll take you to a list of all of the places where Elite Medical Scribes is currently hiring scribes. Thank you, Elite Medical Scribes, for supporting the pre-med years. All right, that's it for this week. I hope you join us next week for more great information with a conversation about wilderness medicine, which is very interesting. So join us next week for that. And as you continue to go through your week, stay collaborative, and we'll see you next week here at the Pre-Med Years and the Medical School Headquarters. (laughs) 